This is Scott Ingram, author of Making Rain with Events, and you're listening to one of my favorite podcasts, The Marketing Book Podcast with Douglas Burdett. Welcome to The Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on The Marketing Book Podcast. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's working in modern marketing. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything discussed in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today, we're joined by Scott Ingram, and we're going to talk about his book, Making Rain with Events, Engage Your Tribe, Create Raving Fans, and Deliver Bottom-Line Results with Event Marketing. Scott Ingram is an executive with the enterprise event management platform called Certain, where he works with enterprise clients to help them get more value from their event marketing investments. Scott is a marketing technology veteran, having previously worked with Bizarre Voice, a ratings and reviews solution, and most recently Eloqua, now a part of the Oracle Marketing Cloud. Scott is also the host of the podcast, Making Rain with Events. Scott, congratulations on Making Rain with Events, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thanks, Douglas. It's great to be here. Now, Before we get started on the book, you mentioned that 100% of the net proceeds go toward water.org. Is that right? That's right. So I I wrote a book about making rain and was looking for an appropriate charity, and that seemed like a a perfect fit. And what is water.org? So water.org is is an organization that raises money to provide uh, fresh drinking water in third world countries where that's not possible. So lots of Lots of huge benefit that come from that. It, it also ends up being a, a bit of a uh, a woman oriented piece, be, just because of the economic impact. You know, when you're not trudging around, walking miles and miles with a bucket of water on your head all day, you're you're able to contribute to the family in in more significant ways. So it's it's a really incredible organization. Mm-hmm. I learned quite a bit about that phenomenon of the women with the water uh, at the inbound conference where I believe it was the founder of Charity Water was. That must be a somewhat similar organization. They talked about how entire days are taken up just going to get water. Yeah, diff- different organization, but very similar missions. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm familiar with both. That's great. That's great. So let me just start with a, an, an opening quote, and then uh, I want to ask you some questions. Done correctly, events have the potential to be one of the most significant force multipliers for a modern marketing organization. They can serve as a catalyst to help align sales and marketing, other departments and executives, and even your own marketing team's efforts. So you talk about other traditional forms of marketing and advertising are dwindling, but in-person events are just as popular as ever. I, I didn't realize that. Why is that? Well, you know, I think the move away from the the other traditional types of marketing is is really driven primarily by digital. But it's it's this opportunity, it's just a human need that we need to connect face to face and I I think that's why events don't go away. I shared an example in the book. I was I was on Twitter in the very very early days around I'm guessing 2008 or so when it really was more of a social network. Uh, and, and you did connect with people. And the thing that happened, the phenomenon that happened in those early days of Twitter is all of a sudden we had all of these tweet ups. So you would think, here's a social network. Here's a, a way that we can connect 
digitally and, and there's less of a reason to go to in-person events and yet they bred in-person events because we found, hey, I want to connect with these people that that I've connected with with digitally. And and I think that's that really speaks to why events are so powerful and and it's you know our our user communities and and all of the folks that we're looking to connect with there's no better way when everybody's there face to face in that in that same room and that's what changes that trajectory yeah you can't stop a few million years of evolution of of people wanting to be with other people and communicate and and uh, and tell stories let's start with some numbers here you, you talk about something I don't know if, if this was the, the part of the book that was supposed to frighten me or not, but you said that 50% of exhibitors never set objectives. They just show up. Really? Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I had my own podcast interview this, this weekend with Jim Williams, who's the VP of marketing at Influitive, and they do a great job of really getting creative uh, around their events, especially when, when they're attending other events. You know, they're, they're, uh, campaign that they ran around Dreamforce and some things that they've done in serious decisions really stood out and, and really allowed them to move uh, the the impact that they had with their event. And yet, you know, if you really just look around, I mean, go to an event, go stand in the in the middle of the exhibit hall and look around at what's actually happening. And it, it's very little, you know, people, they, they paid their, their bunch of money for their booth and they did probably some signage and they figured out their collateral and their tchotchkes and then they just stand there and wait and hope. And, <laughs> and, and there's, yeah, you know, and there's so much more that you can do, whether it's those third party events or it's, it's the events that you're actually hosting yourself. Obviously you have to take on uh, quite a bit more when, when it's your event and you're hosting it, mm -hmm. but it's still, it's thinking through all of those things and all of those impacts and not just the user experience, but where else does this touch our marketing programs. I, I think that's that's one of the biggest gaps I see is we're not thinking through, well, how does this impact our influencer strategy? And how does this impact our PR strategy? And how does this impact our content marketing strategy? And, you know, the content, for example, is a, is a big hot button for me because when you think of content and events, mostly you're thinking about, well, what content am I putting into the event? Right? What are my speakers? What does that lineup look like? But I think there's so much opportunity and power in what content can I bring out of the event? Mm -hmm. So that's my community. Those are my customers. Those are the people that I need to understand what their challenges are and what they're trying to solve for. And the better I can capture those, you know, that is going to inform what, what type of content I need to create moving forward. And Gosh, they're all there. If, if we just insert some video cameras and some audio equipment, we can start to capture those, those stories, whether it be the challenges or, or better yet, be the, the testimonials and, and the stories of success that they've had with, with our particular solution. Mm -hmm. In the book, you talk about the reasons anyone attends events are basically two things, content and connections. And you go on to say that events are essentially just another form of content marketing, which I, I found very interesting. But what are some of the ways that companies can, uh, let's say, leverage content before 
an event? You know, we talk about people just showing up for the event as if that's when the work starts, but what should they be doing before an event, particularly as it relates to their content marketing? Yeah, great, great question. So as you're building up to that event, you, you're already going to have a lot of the building blocks. So you probably know who a lot of your speakers are. You probably know who a lot of your exhibitors are. And it's really just a matter of tapping them, being proactive uh, about who those people are, what their goals are, particularly in the, in the case of your exhibitors, right? Those are probably some of your partners. They likely drive a lot of additional business for you. So collaborating with them and figuring out, hey, what can we do together leading up to this event? Is, is, it, is it a webinar? Is it a white paper? Is it blog posts? Whatever it is. I mean, all of those traditional things that we do from a content perspective, but doing it in a way that builds to the event. So you start to get a feel for, this is the type of information. This is what you're going to be able to get from the event. So you can use it to sort of tease it. Yeah, that's exact. That's exactly it, right? It's it's here's you're going to bring more audience. You know, hopefully people are seeing that and going, gosh, you know, I was thinking about going that, but if there's going to be more of this type of stuff going on in that event, I really need to be there. Mm-hmm. And same thing with with the big speakers, with the keynoters and and those that are a real standout. Just getting a taste of them and going, gosh, you know what? That's somebody I'd really like to connect with. I've never had an opportunity to meet somebody like Douglas Burdett in person. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. You also talk about how speakers, all speakers, need to be motivational. Can you explain that? Yeah. So I guess the alternative is, and, and this comes from my friend Tom Singer, who wrote that particular chapter, and, and he calls himself the, the conference catalyst. So he's got a great program where he works with organizations to, to your point earlier, right? There's two reasons I go to events. I go for the content and I go for the connections. And most people don't realize it's really the connections that are the biggest draw. I want to I wanna meet my peers and I, I want to connect with people that that have similar challenges as I do and just again it's it's that personal human connection and being able to talk through those types of issues so Tom talks about this and he says well what's the alternative to a motivational speaker is, is that a, a demotivational speaker <laughs> that somebody that's just really blah that's going to put me to sleep so while well, maybe you don't want pure motivation. You still want a speaker that is able to bring a certain level of energy in addition to just their content. And, and at the same time, he harps a lot on people bringing in speakers where, well, they've got the right title or they've got the right experience, but they're just not good speakers. And you've got to have that that element or the content from that speaker just isn't going to connect with the audience and there's going to be a level of, dis- of disappointment. You mentioned one of the uh, co-authors. There, there are a few chapters you've gotten uh, other folks to contribute, and it's a, an all-star lineup of marketers, you know, people that I'm very familiar with, like Brian Carden and Matt Hines and even Tim Hayde, who co-authored The Mobile Marketing Revolution, which I, I interviewed his co-author on this show. And what's exciting for me, obviously, is being able to go to conferences and be able to meet some of the speakers or at least meet up with some of the authors. Because I, you know, some people collect signed sports memorabilia. I collect signed marketing books and it's guilty. You know, that I'm, I'm just weird that way. But it's really exciting to be able to, to meet with these folks. What is the deal with conferences where they'll have somebody come in and speak, they come in, they speak, they leave, there's absolutely no interaction? Why are they doing that? Is it just because they're selling tickets? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think it's just a miss, and I think it's it's really expectation setting. If you ask the speaker and insist upon, hey, look, if if you're going to be part of our conference, especially if you're getting the big names, you're probably paying five figures, maybe even six figures in in a few instances. Um, I mean, unless they're absolute A-listers. I mean, if you've got Bill Clinton coming, right, there's security and some other things going on there. But just about anybody else, you just need to sort of insist upon that. You know who I think does a great job of this that I've seen at a number of conferences is Jay Bear. Jay Bear shows up, but he is there for at least the day, if not multiple days, absolutely participates, absolutely engages. And that adds so much more value than, hey, I was on the stage for my 45 minutes and they ride off into the sunset and there's no opportunity for the audience to engage when they're they're the most primed to. You know, that speaker just set themselves up as sort of the supreme expert. And people have questions and not everybody wants to ask a public question or there may not have been a public Q&A forum. They may just be more comfortable in walking up afterwards and saying, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm a big fan. What do you think about this? Mm-hmm. So that, that's the opportunity there. Yeah. Jay Bear is the Taylor Swift of uh, keynoters. I've always wanted to say that, actually. Um, but he absolutely <laughs> loves being around the audience and the people who read his books. And he, you could just really tell that he's very passionate about meeting folks and and helping them learn about what he's talking about. Let's talk about, you know, metrics. Let's talk about sales. Let's talk about revenue, stuff the boss man wants to hear about. 79%, according to the book, 86% of trade show exhibitors say that acquiring new leads is the number one reason for their participation at a show. But 79% of all trade show leads are never followed up on. What is going on there? Yeah, it's unfortunate. And most times, and and really this is so much of what the book is about is this integrated strategy. But what tends to come apart is the data. And you have to think through the data and think through the flow beforehand, right? So if, if, if the leads are the most important part, what's going to happen with the lead? Who is going to get it? What is our expectation of following up? Have we armed the person to follow up? And and as a sales professional myself, the worst thing that you can do is hand a salesperson a quote-unquote lead that kind of looks like a business card, right? Here's somebody's name and contact info, and we met them at the show. With they had no, a pulse when I spoke to them. Yeah, with no other context. So the first challenge is, well, how do you prioritize? Because if there's a lot of those, if, well, we met 100 people at this show. So here's 100 names and email addresses and phone numbers. Well, I have no way to prioritize that. Who who do you call first? But more importantly, it's providing that context. It's sharing with, we talked about X doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing, but there has to be some kind of a starting point. And I probably want to know who they talk to. So, Douglas, if you connected with one of my colleagues at an event and somebody shares not just your info, but that you had talked with Michelle and with Michelle you spoke about trade shows. Perfect. That's really all I need. And, and then maybe there's a little bit of a waiting on there. So was, was this a hot lead because Douglas has a client uh, where this is particularly appropriate? Okay, great. Now I know I'm going to call Douglas first. I'm going to open the conversation and say, hey, I know you spoke with Michelle. And I know you guys kind of talked about trade shows. What's, what's going on there? How can I help? It's such an easier starting point where we're able to make a true connection and, and 
transact rather than I'm just some random sales guy who's calling you to sell you some stuff, that, that's a recipe for being ignored, which is why the sales guy isn't reaching out because they know w- what the result's going to be. Just having uh, reference that connection would make an enormous difference. I wouldn't want to hang up. I'd want to talk to him. I'd say, oh, yeah, great. You know, exactly. That, even even if you can't for the life of you remember who Michelle was, it's at least a little bit warmer. Yeah, yeah. I think you also talk about how there's still not enough accountability on following up on leads. Yeah. It, well, again, it's it's data. So part of it is routing, right? If I've got those 100 leads, I need to get them into the right territory. So a lot of it is kind of setting up that plumbing beforehand between the CRM system and the marketing automation system. And then what's our entry point, right? So how do we take these leads and get them into that system so that they get distributed properly? And, and then from there, if you've done a good job, now I can, I can run reports and I can expose to the sales leadership, hey, here's what's going on with those leads. And, you know, 79% of them haven't been touched yet. I need your help in, in taking care of that. So with, without that visibility, there's really no way to have accountability. You have to have the measurement in place. One other thing you mentioned in the book that was super practical, but I think is probably not done very often, is having a meeting at the end of each day, even for just a few minutes, to recap what the situation is on the leads generated that day. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I find even even daily sometimes isn't enough. I mean, if you're in that type of an environment and you're having a half a dozen, a dozen conversations an hour, I, I can't tell you how many times I've done this where I've thought that was the greatest conversation. There's no way I can forget that context because it was so great. Mm-hmm. And then two hours later, I'm looking at that card going, now what the heck was this? Oh, yeah. So it's it's as quickly as you can capturing those insights. Again, it as as I talked about before, it doesn't have to be a huge I don't need three paragraphs on what it was. I need who did you talk to? What was it about? That can be one or two words, just something to trigger that. And then that daily meeting really helps reinforce that, but then kind of bring together the shared learning of the group. What what topics are coming up? Right. What is what are kind of the themes that we're getting? Oh, okay. well, how are you responding to that? How are we weaving that into the story of our company? Mm -hmm. And that's that's really that opportunity to get that mind share together to not only sort of reinforce the memory and figure out, okay, what is the hot stuff? What do we want to make sure that we follow up on? Let's get that pushed back right away. Now, as, as we go into the next day, you know, what are these things? How do we do better? Yeah, and it seems like, you know, everyone has a smartphone, and if I were on the floor, I'd probably want to just be turning around every once in a while and recording a a voice message uh, or a file so that I could at least text it or email it to my assistant to, to start transcribing some of these notes if it's, if it's that volume. Yeah. And there's so many great tools. It's really just a matter of having a consistent process, like whatever the tool is. It's got to get used. It's got to get used every time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of it is just as simple as as you're having the conversation with somebody saying, hey, I don't want to forget this. Do you mind if I take a couple of notes? Nobody well, I'm always ever impressed said no when somebody that. says that. Yeah, I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> well, I'll keep talking to you then. Exactly. Um, one other thing you mentioned in the book was um, event marketing is all about facilitating, easing, opening, accelerating, and shortening the sales cycle events open the door, events do not close the deal. Can you explain more about what you mean there? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's funny in my in my last company. Well, this is years ago. I started an organization called Network in Austin, and it was a, a business networking organization. And my stump speech there was: real networking doesn't happen at networking events. It's really just the starting point, or it could be a continuation, right? Let's say, for example, that I have a prospective customer. They're coming to my user conference. They're they're going to check us out. And what that event is going to do is it's going to accelerate a lot of things for a couple of reasons. One, we're able to establish trust, right? We look like a real organization. We're able to fund a sizable event. They're able to connect with our executives. More importantly, they're probably connecting with other people that look like them. So I like to think I'm a pretty good sales guy, but the best salesperson is a happy customer. So connecting them with happy customers, instilling that sense of, uh, of, of trust and value and that, yeah, these guys can really deliver on what they're talking about. But very rarely are they get, then going to say, hey, can you whip out that contract or echo sign that thing to me right now? I'm, I'm ready to sign. There's going to be more steps beyond that. That, that happens in dreams. <laughs> Those are very good dreams. Yes. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, there's another point in the book that I, I just I really want to talk to you about and that let me just read from it. it says a major reason cited for attending business events is quote networking opportunities but once participants arrive at the conference people fail to instigate the types of conversations and interactions that lead to long-term and mutually beneficial relationships Scott why is that and what should event organizers and attendees do yeah you know I think so much of it is really about education there's there's a couple of things that that happen and the joke I I think I share in the book is part of this is on the event organizer right it's it's not enough to bring everybody into a room add alcohol and say that okay well we created a networking environment that's that's just not quite enough <laughs> a fishbowl for cards yeah, <laughs> and some shrimp exactly. cocktail, right? Right. So you you have to do more. Again, some of it is education. That's why I think Tom Singer's program is is such a great thing because he does that education and makes it okay for people to connect because people want it. They want it so bad, and yet they're not quite sure what's the best way to do it. And and the disconnect that you get between kind of the extroverts and the the introverts, right? The extroverts they kind of get it, but a lot of times they're just too aggressive, right? They're they're trying to talk to everybody all at once and quote unquote work a room. It's actually the introverts that tend to be the better networkers, but they need a little bit more permission, right? Mm-hmm. It needs to be made okay for them to start those conversations. And there's things the organizer can do. Um, some of it may be just creating an environment where there are pre-scripted kind of one-on-one meetings. Create a, create a space. Um, I had a great conversation about this with, with Joe Polizzi shortly after Content Marketing World. And one of the things that he did such a great job of is what I called letting the event breathe. Right. It wasn't session to session to session to Mm, session with mm -hmm. barely a break to get between rooms. He left room so that you could have a great hallway conversation or hang around after that last session finished and connect with the person that asked such an insightful question that you were wondering the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all of those it's, it's a lot of little things, but just creating that space and and again some of it may be through the app or through your experience where you're allowing people to pre-schedule 
one-on-one meetings so that it's much easier and much more comfortable. And I know we're going to be able to get together and find each other and all of those things. Yeah, I've heard that Content Marketing World is a great conference. I haven't been. It's on the uh, conference bucket list. And another one I've heard that is really good for interaction is Michael Steltzner's Social Media Marketing World. I've heard several people, I haven't been to that one either. I've heard several people say that they really engineer it very well so that you can meet other people. Well, you'll have to put that in the show notes so I can follow up with Michael. That sounds like a, a great conversation. Yeah, yeah. I've heard, it's, I've heard it's a phenomenal conference. And I recently went to a conference with 14,000 people, and I went to one with 100 people. And it was really interesting to see. I, that's pretty much the, the big and the small of it all. And uh, I know what you're talking about in terms of trying to get from one room to another, particularly if it's a conference center that's the size of an international airport. And I think that it all comes down to the humans, you know, the, the being able to talk to other people. And the things that I always remember the most are the, the people that I've been able to meet. But as it relates to marketing and as it relates to meeting people, let me ask you one other question. How can vendors, you know, exhibitors, I should say, at a trade show avoid acting like hungry wolves who treat attendees like they have a pork chop around their neck? Yeah, such such a great question. And we, we talk about that in the book. It's a lot of that is definitely on on the organizer or they can help themselves a lot in that effort by just educating the exhibitors on on what the culture is and what the expectation is and one of the suggestions around that is not creating the the exhibitors or your sponsor class even though a lot of times they're the majority of the revenue from the from an event a lot of times they get treated like a second class citizen mm-hmm. and they're not included in the sessions and in the keynotes and that's probably the biggest mistake right opening that up making them truly a part of the event because if they're having the same experience it's so much easier to have a good relevant conversation uh, about what they just learned in in a previous session. So those those are the things and again it's it's just the education and kind of building this culture that says hey look <laughs> we're all professionals here right of course as a sponsor you have your your lead goals and and things that you're trying to accomplish but the best way to to approach that and accomplish that is not by attacking people it's really by being engaging, being open, having conversations. And heck, a lot of the best conversations I have when we're sponsoring an event is nowhere near the booth. Mm-hmm. So just help people understand that that's an okay thing. There's a, It's a right way to do it. And just be human. Yeah, just the bumping into people, you know, and, and, and meeting them. And uh, the, some of the people I've met at conferences, believe it or not, like at the inbound conference a couple of years ago, I mean, I, the people that I happen to have sat down next to when there are thousands of people have become, you know, very strong connections. Just walking in and sitting down next to somebody and meeting them and chatting away, it's, it, it's really, I don't know why. It's just, I, it's just the things that I remember and I get the most out of, I think. I forget what maybe some of the talks are about, but I remember the people that I meet. Yeah, and I, I think there's some element of almost event karma that, that happens in that, right? You're at that 14,000-person event, but it just happens to be that you sit next to the person that you really should be meeting at, at this event. It's, if you put yourself out there, those kinds of things happen. Mm-hmm. So, Scott, if readers could only take one thing away from the book, which would not be fair, 
what would you hope it might be? You know, I, I think it's really about taking an integrated uh, approach. Um, I, there's a, a line on the back of the book that says, you know, through an integrated marketing event strategy, you can drive results that look like one plus one plus one equals 10. And there's, there is absolutely a multiplicative uh, opportunity when you bring all of these disparate stakeholder groups together around your event. So typically it's marketing or an events team that is running the event, but you've got to incorporate sales. You've got to incorporate product. You want to bring together the other pieces of marketing because as, as you know, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of those, especially in the larger enterprises that we tend to work with they can be extraordinarily disconnected internally. So just bringing all of those groups together and, and with a premier event, you probably have exposure to your executives as well. Get their insight, understand what their expectations are. Through those efforts, I think the results have an opportunity to be so much larger than, than just the simple execution. So we can check the box and said, yep, we did an event. Well said. And there's also another point in the book where you talk about how an event can become the straw that stirs the drink in terms of sales and marketing alignment, where this could be one of those things where you can start to get all of those different, you know, whatever analogy you want to use, get all those different uh, cylinders firing together. And uh, how you can also, as a marketer, start to demonstrate your connection with revenue. Yeah, you know, it's, this is something that is so core to me because, again, I work on the sales side of the organization, but I have sold for the last number of years to marketers. So I understand it sort of fundamentally what the challenge is and the opportunity that events represent there is they don't have all of the systemic baggage that is the disconnect between sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. It's a single point in time where we're going to come together on this date. And if we can collaborate towards that, it creates some level of empathy, right? Sales can see, wow, marketing's really thinking about this hard and there's a lot of stuff going on here. And marketing can understand the perspective of sales, right? Like, wow, the account management team is, is trying to connect with their customers in these ways. Well, great. How can we both help each other do that? It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's like Thanksgiving dinner for a big dysfunctional family. <laughs> I love it. That's perfect. Um, well, before we wrap up, let me ask you a couple of questions that the, the listeners like. Uh, is there a recent marketing or, or business book that you have read that you recommend? Yeah, so my my favorite, most recent book is Joe Polizzi's Content Inc. And I know you've had Joe on the show to, oh, to talk yeah. about that. You know, my takeaway from it, though, is maybe a little bit further from the the obvious things that are in the book. And it is just this, there's so much value in having a little bit of patience in playing a longer game, right? Instead of the campaign to campaign uh, type of drive we usually have, really thinking about this on a much longer time horizon and how that works out, I think is really powerful stuff and proves out by many of the examples that, that Joe has in that book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, the patience is... Uh Seems to be in uh, short supply these days, but it really pays a lot of dividends, at least in uh, content marketing and the, the, the more modern approaches to, to marketing and sales. Are there any marketing books that you're looking forward to reading 
Yeah, a couple. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to getting my hands on the Challenger Customer by mm. the corporate executive board folks, Brent Adamson and and Matthew Dixon. The other one I'm really looking forward to is Extreme Ownership. And Douglas, I think you'll appreciate this. The subtitle is How How U.S. Navy SEALs Lead and Win. And this is by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Oh, and I yeah, heard I just saw these guys on TV last week. Yeah, I heard Jocko on Tim Ferriss's podcast, and it was one of the most fascinating conversations I've ever listened to. It was it was really, really interesting. So I'm I'm really looking forward to getting my hands yeah, on that book. Yeah, me too. And uh, the Challenger customer, they're gonna be one of those four authors going to be on the show uh, pretty soon. So I'm 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 excited about that too. Challenger sale, obviously somebody with a sales background like you is familiar with that other book. So, uh, Scott, how can listeners best find out more about you and your book uh, and your podcast? Yeah, so the podcast is a great place to start. So since you're listening to a podcast, I assume you're a podcast fan. You can just use your favorite podcast app and search for either Scott Ingram or Making Rain should get you to the Making Rain with Events podcast. And then you can connect with me. I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. I'm not a big fan of generic messages. So if you want to connect or, or follow me, please indicate that this is where you heard me. Oh, I can't or, stand getting those messages out of the blue like that. There's nothing worse. Or I'm also on, on Twitter, at Scott Ingram. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. The name of the book is Making Rain with Events, Engage your tribe, create raving fans, and deliver bottom-line results with event marketing. The author is Scott Ingram. Scott, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. It's been a pleasure, Douglas. I'm only happy when it rains. And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. But don't let the end of this episode be the end of your learning. Visit marketingbookpodcast.com for show notes, free resources, and guides. And be sure to join the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. And to get a free copy of Scott Ingram's book, Making Rain with Events, visit the show notes for this episode at marketingbookpodcast.com. And please join us next time as we talk to Jason Troy, author of Social Wealth, How to Build Extraordinary Relationships by Transforming the Way We Live, Love, Lead, and Network. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. I read your book over two days sitting in deer stands. And, uh, <laughs> and I didn't get any deer, which is probably your fault because I. <laughs>